The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome in to the early line. We're live right here on a Friday morning on Sports. Kevin Walsh, Walsh, joined, of course, by Donnie Wrightside. As always, a lot to get to here. Going to talk a little Thursday night football in just a moment. But the NFL is delivering, I think, what's going to be a really big week 10. A lot of questions around the league. We'll also get to some Friday college action sneaking a little NBA as well. DRS, how are you feeling? Feeling really good today. You know, big weekend of sports coming up. We'll have some fun, obviously, on today's show talking NFL. But this is one of the biggest. You hear me talk about this all the time, Kevin. Friday practice reports in the NFL that tell you pretty much who's playing Sunday. Is there a bigger Friday in this football season yet in the NFL just to see who's taking the field? I can't wait to see some of those reports come out. And keep in mind, if you are a betting man like most of you guys are, a lot of these lines are going to change once you get those final results today. No doubt about it. We'll be following it. Uh, We'll be breaking it down here, and we'll be following it throughout the day across the network. We begin, though, with Thursday night football where the Carolina Panthers as a a two-and-a-half-point home underdog on a Thursday night win by double digits. 25-15 is your final score. P.J. Walker getting a lot of praise for this game for doing a whole, I mean, respectfully, a lot of nothing, 108 yards, 10 of 16 the, amount, the, the narrative of this game was what a bounce back from P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker tried his damnedest to throw a pick six in the fourth quarter of this game where that would have not been the story and narrative. But nevertheless, the Panthers prevailed as Donta Foreman is for himself doing a lot of good for the position of running backs. Not so much. This is his third 100-yard game in his last four games. This team traded Christian McCaffrey. They've been completely fine at the running back position. And the tanking Panthers have never looked better than they have since they really embraced their full tank. Again, a double-digit victory against the Falcons, Donnie, who are supposed to be contending for the top of this division. Yeah, a lot of losers out there on the field last night. But you know who the biggest winner is? Steve Wilkes takes over a situation that you thought was just going to be a tank the rest of the way out. You have your quarterback throwing, I don't know, anywhere between from 108 yards to 15 yards in the past couple weeks, and you're winning football games. It's absolutely astounding here, and good for him. So maybe in the room, Tepper, the owner, goes, I don't have to go outside the building anymore. you got to be kidding me. First of all, I wanted to tank, but this guy's such a good coach that even as we were tanking, he was winning football games and putting us in position to win. Now look at both quarterbacks last night. P.J. Walker, 10 of 16 for 108. Uh, Certainly not making good read after good read, but my goodness. Like Marcus Mariota. Now, again, you side-by-side these guys. P.J. Walker threw for 108, Mariota 186. Oh, man. What a game out of Mariota. I mean, this is, as I say, the new NFL. But if you watch this game all the way through to four quarters, 
how many bad throws and bad decisions did Marcus Mariota make last night? Like, he only had one interception. He probably could have three or four. And also, just the simple plays where you're in field goal range. You're outside the pocket. Throw it away. You run out of bounds for a six-yard loss and end up punting the football? Because after the game, the question marks now surrounding the Atlanta Falcons aren't necessarily can they win this division. Is if Marcus Mariota is going to continue as your starting quarterback. Tough game on the eyes to watch overall. But as I said, the biggest winner was the head coach for the Carolina Panthers last night. Listen, I, I do wonder, though, if Tepper looks around and asks himself, should he have hired my good friend Steve Smith Sr. instead of letting Steve Wilkes take the job, though, because the yeah. tank is not working as well as he wanted. And also, look, just being honest here, I doubt they would like to hire Steve Wilkes full-time. Probably want that young offensive mind like most teams. It's not yeah. going to be a a great look when they send Steve Wilkes on his way, but he has this team looking better than they have the entire time under Matt Rule. Already, audience is live on a Friday morning. It's Kevin Walsh and Donnie right side. It's the early line on Sirius XM Channel 159 talking about the Panthers' win over the Atlanta Falcons. On, on the Atlanta side of things, my, as Baker Mayfield's headbutting guys, off the field. I, I wonder if he's now just uh, accepting he won't have the job and is trying to see if he can get himself concussed to feel better about not having the job over P.J. Walker. But Mariota's flirting with losing his job, I feel, as well. They asked Arthur, Arthur Smith if he thought about going to Ritter. He said no. I think that's a right decision, ultimately. However, now, with a little bit of an extended week here, do you think the Falcons will... Take a look internally and see if the next time they're out, which is, by the way, home against the Chicago Bears, throw Desmond Ritter out there. See, here's the issue that lies within, Kevin. You look at the Atlanta Falcons at four and six, and if this was a normal division where the Saints were really good and also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, simple, absolutely, you're going to Ritter. But we're falling into this malaise in the NFL season oh, where no. teams have hope at three and seven like the Panthers. Are they in the building? I go, hey, guys, we can make a run at this thing here because you look at the Atlanta Falcons at four and six. Long term, they need to make a decision at quarterback and move on. But right now, you can't tell a head coach Coach that's fighting for his life and also fighting for wins to keep his job to tell him, hey, buddy, keep tanking this down. And at the end of the year, go, oh, man, you just you didn't have a good close of the season. Arthur Blank, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to fire my head coach, Arthur Smith. That's the tough part about it. But they're four and six. They're right in it, Kevin. They say, hey, steady the ship. We can win this division. Yeah, so I'm not asking this about whether they tell him to put Ritter in. I'm talking about to give themselves their best chance to compete. Uh, they put Desmond yeah. Ritter in. Which is where I, I don't think know. That, I, that is. Yeah. That's to me where it gets interesting. And here's the thing. If you look yeah. at the schedule coming up for this team, it's going to be the Chicago Bears at home. It's at the Washington Commanders. It's home mm. against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's at the Saints. Not, not a team Bowl. above 500 for a month coming up against the Atlanta Falcons. I, I don't know about all that. But perhaps they could make a change at the quarterback position and maybe, I don't know, throw for 200 yards in a football game. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. 
the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Back with you here on Sports We just finished up talking little Panthers, Falcons. And I want to start by talking about some Colts Raiders. Comparable-ish spots. At least an interim head coach, obviously, is what we see going on right now for Carolina. Jeff Saturday. Is, is Jeff Saturday an interim or is he the full, is the full head coach? Nevertheless, interim. he's the guy in charge yeah. right now. He feels like he's the full head coach, though, if I'm honest. But it's a big game here because you're dealing kind of where – if the Raiders win this game by, you know, 20-plus points, right? I mean, it's going to be nothing but the absolute roasting and flaming of everything that has to do with this football team. But if they go out there and win, it's going to be the biggest I told you so rant of all time from everybody involved in Indianapolis. But we also have major question marks about who's going to be out there and some definitive answers from the Raiders' side of who won't be out there. And that's where we should start because that's definitive and that was some of the big news yesterday. Both Darren Waller... And Hunter Renfro hit the IR. Not going to be playing in this game. Not going to be playing Raider football for the rest of the season. That's why this line has moved down to four and a half. Look at this low total in Vegas. 40 and a hook. How do you factor in this injury news for the Vegas Raiders? No Renfro, no Waller. Oh, this is really big because the, the Colts do have a decent defense. This isn't the Houston Texans defense out here that you can run, pass, and do whatever you want. They actually have some playmakers, and that's going to be a reason why because if you have Devontae on the opposite side, or should I say the opposite side of anybody like Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro, you should have to roll coverage the rest of the guys can eat. If you don't have to worry about the other guys and you can just throw rolled coverage the entire game at Devontae Adams, that's really going to hurt. But I think setting this game up is so interesting to see because typically if you're the Raiders in the spot, you're like, yes, man, we needed a reprieve, Kevin. Look who we're getting coming to town. The Indianapolis Colts with a quarterback that doesn't look like he should be playing, a head coach that nobody understands why he's there, everybody fired inside the building, and it looks like the tank is on. But from a Raiders perspective, you're down Waller. You're down Renfro. You also have a coach that they're saying, like, are you actually the coach of the future for us? We spent a lot of money, and we're not getting a great return on our investment. But if you're Josh McDaniels, you're going, what if I actually lose this game to Jeff Saturday and the Colts? Why well, actually have a job on Tuesday? It's almost as if, like, the Vegas Raiders, like, well, we'd rather play the Chiefs this weekend. The Chiefs come in and beat us up, and at least I can tell my owner, what did you want me to do? Kansas City Chiefs, they beat everybody up. How do you mm-hmm. answer to your owner on a Tuesday morning that you lost at home to the Indianapolis Colts? But having said that, the Colts on the opposite side here are in the same bucket, as you said, with, like, the Atlanta Falcons. Hey, look, we stink. We're tanking. But if we win a game, we might be able to win this division. It's wild how you can play both sides of the fence here. Yeah, I think what I'm fascinated to see for Vegas is just kind of you know, how strong all of the Devontae Adams props check in at. Obviously, Devontae numbers have been strong, and, and these are two guys that have been hardly healthy. But Devontae Adams is coming off a game against the Jags where he was targeted 17 times. Turn that into 146 yards, 10 catches, two touchdowns. Is Devontae Adams going to start getting the full Cooper Cup price? Because people are now going to be overly aware of it with big injury news like Waller, like Renfro, and people are going to be looking now more, I think, at Devontae Adams' props, and I think that's where that boost can check in. As far as this whole 
Jeff Saturday thing, there is now a conversation about who the quarterback is going to be. Mm. This has been all quite uh, disastrous again in Indianapolis. The handling of everything has been very, very bizarre. It initially started with the benching of Matt Ryan. I didn't disagree with it. I thought it was a little unnecessary that Matt Ryan was injured and then, then embarrassed him by saying, if this guy was healthy, we would never let him start for our organization ever again. But that's what they decided to do. Sam Ellinger's had two starts, one against the Commanders. They lose on a late Heineke drive. The other in Foxborough, never going to be an easy task for a young quarterback making his second career NFL start. I personally wouldn't move off of Sam Ellinger. Matt Ryan was benched for a reason. Though, maybe that reason is because Jim Irsay was just losing his mind and felt like he needed to do something about it. And I don't know what Jeff Saturday thinks of the situation, and I don't know if Jeff Saturday absolutely fully has the pull to put Matt Ryan back in the game. We're hearing he does, but I'm a little up in the air about it. But I know you have some pretty strong conviction about what the Colts should do to give themselves the best chance here on this Sunday. Exactly. If we set the table, like forget about the firings inside the building, Frank Reich out here. And by the way, you know, just a side point here, Frank Reich may be coming to the Eagles to save their season. We'll get back to that a little bit later in the show. To but having save said their all of season. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, look, don't interrupt me right now. We'll get to that later. I'll tell you the exact point of what's going to take place. But looking at this as a whole, we all thought this. Matt Ryan was not playing good football. You know me. And if you know this show, you as well. We banged on the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, we got our Super Bowl. Like, we're talking about multiple Super Bowls now that we got Matt Ryan. That was the theory inside the building for the Colts, and it didn't work out. But I do feel that they pulled the plug, the plug too quickly on the season because of what was around them. If they had a team in the division that, let's just say, the Philadelphia Eagles unbeaten, well, then you're going to say, yeah, we're going to throw in the towel here. Let's get to the young kid. But I think there's some remorse in the building that goes, like, even though Matt Ryan was terrible, maybe he still is better than Sam Ellinger starting football games. And maybe we pulled the plug too early because, as you pointed out yesterday, the Titans schedule isn't a walk in the park over the next month where mm -hmm. you might be able to win games and make it back up. So I think there's some buyer's remorse in the building. Like, what did we do? And that squarely goes right on the owner here. So you saw yesterday at practice, they have the videos out here. Matt Ryan's healthy. He's taking snaps. He's throwing the ball. And also keep in mind, Jeff Saturday is an old, grizzled veteran of the NFL. He knows Matt Ryan's been around the block. He knows Matt Ryan has paid his dues. Is he coming into the building with a fresh start going, look at these two in the eye and go, I'm going to play the young kid here, which we probably don't have much of a shot to do anything in the season, where I give it back to the veteran who maybe if he can catch a little bit of lightning in the bottle, he knows the offense, and we can win some games, and I don't just lose the locker room all the way through. There's a couple ways to play it on both sides, but I got to tell you, same stance as I had yesterday on the radio show, Kevin. If they start Matt Ryan, I'm going in on the Colts team total. I'll take it. Yeah, look, I, I understand it because I feel like with Matt Ryan, you at least know that if this game is 27-14 Raiders, right? He's thrown two picks. He's been awful all game long. Well, he probably still has a late drive in him to make it 27-21 and cash a team total, right? Which is mm. what you're looking for yes. in this instance. But I don't think that he's going to come in and save this. Eight games left on the schedule. I think they're dogs in six of them. We'll see what the Sam Ellinger prices would check in at if it was Sam Ellinger. But I'm talking about with Matt Ryan. I think they're underdogs in six of the remaining eight games. So it's not like the culture walking into a, a favorable setup either. 
And again, Ellinger didn't have a great run at it. Andy had to go to New England without Jonathan Taylor, which is to me the biggest key of all. I think Jonathan Taylor is in line for a monster game here. Deion Jackson, who was the replacement. Again, Naheem Hines plays in Buffalo. Uh, Deion Jackson, who was the replacement last week, is down for this game. Won't be playing. Uh, missed practice yesterday. Jonathan Taylor was a full participant. I think he has an opportunity up against the Vegas defense that now look at the last two games that they've just played, just now to win. Travis Etienne, 100-plus scrimmage yards, two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, I think, flirted with 200 scrimmage yards and three total touchdowns. I mean, just completely dominant performances there. I think Jonathan Taylor has enough juice to keep this team in the mix and keep them right. And also, Derek Carr is just... A quarterback that it feels like I can always throw a trend at you that says, yeah, don't bet on Derek Carr. Like, Derek Carr can't ever win on the East Coast. We've seen that nonstop. He's 4-8 and eight against the spread when he's coming back home after being on the road. How does that make any sense? Like, isn't it usually like, man, Vegas is back home. This should be a good spot. Nope, never the case. Derek Carr has just been a guy that you consistently want to fade. And I'll make this last point here with Jeff Saturday making the debut and kind of interim head coaches. Over the last 20 years, an interim head coach in their debut, 15-8 and eight straight up, 17-16 and 16 against the spread. Those are not wildly impressive numbers. But you have to factor in that the team's records before that interim showed up are winning at under 30% of their games, covering under 40% of their games. I think Jeff Saturday might hang around here in a debut. A lot more to break down. It's the early line on a Friday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Live right here on the grid. Looking through some of these games. Good one coming up. When you take a look at this Packers-Cowboys game, I don't care what Aaron Rodgers' record is. If he's going to play the Dallas Cowboys Mm. at Lambeau Field, that's a big game. And it's a big spread when you look at it now being four and a half points because this is the first time that Aaron Rodgers has ever been above a field goal underdog at home with the Green Bay Packers. In those other spots for Aaron Rodgers, in those uh, four times, he is 2-1-1 
against the spread, catching those three points. This is the second time this year we've had some Aaron Rodgers spread history when he caught double digits for the first time in his NFL career against the Buffalo Bills and did cover that number. What do you think about Rodgers for the first time in Lambeau Field getting over a field goal? Yeah, you have to take your biases out over a couple years by saying to yourself, you know what I mean? Because most people, and maybe rightfully so, will say, boy, they're getting points at home. I just have to take the Green Bay Packers. Is Aaron Rodgers healthy? Yes. Does he have a good wide receiving core? No, he doesn't. Are some of his running backs banged up? Yes, they are. But you're still left to believe that Aaron would have some juice here. Now, also, you're, you're trying to match up. It's not even so much at the time where you're saying, okay, let me just focus on the Green Bay Packers going up against the Cowboys defense. You have to remember, like Dak Prescott now being full healthy for the Dallas Cowboys wide receivers getting into their groove and Pollard seemingly taking over for the lead spot for Zeke we'll see if Zeke even makes it back onto the field this week that's really the issue that I want to go up against but if we're also asking the pathway to victory for the Green Bay Packers for me it's not saying well let's go toe-to-toe throw 55 times and see if we can beat this Dallas pass rush and turn you know the numbers into our advantages it doesn't seem that way it seems like if the Packers were smart they do the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers second half choke when they're good not I mean losing the football game I mean having a double digit you know lead at the break and then by the end of the fourth quarter they're up three points needing a first down to clinch this game because they went into a shell where they go let's get four first downs burn nine minutes off the clock and have Mason Crosby miss a 56-yard field goal and in the other direction the team goes that's what I think has to happen but if I'm looking at this game objectively it is quite jarring to see them getting four now granted it was five and a half points just a day and a half ago now it's down to four and a half so some money coming in on the Packers it is hard to overcome that bias for yourself by just saying it's Aaron Rodgers it's Lambeau and he's getting points sign me up but that also has it worked against Buffalo, right? The idea ah, it's too many points with Rodgers. It, it it was too many points against Aaron Rodgers when it was all said and done, right? They were mm-hmm. able to go out there and cover a number. The other thing is, this is only their fourth game at Lambeau Field. Uh, I believe the game up against the Giants was cre- in London was credited as a Packers home game. We've not seen a lot of football at Lambeau this year. Now, one of those games was their disaster game against the Jets, where, you know, the Jets were just turning everyone they were playing over. But the other two were the two highest scoring games that the Packers have put forward this season, the 27 against the Chicago Bears and the 27 points up against the New England Patriots. And I don't think that's insignificant here. I know the Dallas Cowboys are viewed as one of the five best defenses in football, allowing 16.6 points per game but in two of their last three games they've allowed 26 plus points it feels like a spot where Aaron Rodgers will bounce back because again throughout his entire career he has bounced back in this spot this is the eighth time that he will play a game after scoring less than 10 points Rodgers the following game after scoring less than 10 Donnie on average 33.4 points per game in the next game. The bounce back has been real. 27 plus in six out of seven multiple games where he hit 45. Aaron Rod, and by the way, that includes a game this year when they got left on seven by the Vikings and then put that 27 up against the Chicago Bears. That's a team total that's 19 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 
look, I think they cover this game. I think they might win this football game against the Dallas Cowboys. But to zone in on one specific spot, it's a Packers team total for me. It makes some sense. No, I, I hear you on that. But it's not the same Packers team that we've seen in the past. Now, the interesting part is going to be, for all the love that the Dallas Cowboys defense does get, and I like the Dallas Cowboys defense because Michael Parsons, elite pass rusher. The front four gets organic pressure. We don't have to blitz all that much. But that secondary is vulnerable. If you just take the poster down over your bed of, of digs at quarterback, he's average. He's average at best. That's crazy. Look at the interception. Yes, yes he goes for interceptions, then he gets torched on the next play. But since you get the interceptions, you go in Sports Center, and everybody loves that type of stuff. I understand it. The secondary is very average here. So if you are Aaron Rodgers, it's a shame. And I know I keep harking back on this. He didn't make any moves at the trade deadline to get a legitimate wide receiver in there. Will Lazard get his catches? Probably so. But somebody else is going to have to step up, and that's the issue. Can you imagine if Green Bay just had a legitimate number one wide receiver? What is the spread? Honestly, what yo, wide receivers don't change it that much. No. Green Bay is favored by five points in this game. You know why? Because they wouldn't be on five straight losses coming into this game, maybe on the cusp of making it six. They probably would be no less than three and two or four and one in their past five games. That's the issue that we have. But I can't fault somebody for going, it's Aaron Rodgers at home. I'll flip the coin. I'll take the points and see where I land. Because you're right. Last week, if you take a look at the Lions game, if you don't look at the box score, man, that team stinks. They lost to the Lions. Well, Aaron Rodgers makes competent passes that he's done for the last 15 years in the NFL, you might be looking at a two-touchdown win for the Packers over the Lions, and maybe this is different. But you are getting that ultimate buy-low scenario where so many people are still saying, hey, man, eventually it's going to bounce back. Typically, that bounce back is, well, the Packers opened up winners of seven of eight, now lost a game two in a row. They're not going to lose three in a row. They're on the verge of losing six games in a row, which is crazy, and they're favored to lose their sixth game in a row. That's why I leave it on this game. Mm -hmm. It's tough because I do want to hear, I hear the cat calls. You got to take Aaron Rodgers getting points at home. I hear it. But boy, oh boy, I've watched this Green Bay Packers team struggle week in and week out. Yeah, but again, they, they, they covered against Buffalo. This game could end 24-20. And that's a cover and that's an over on a team total. Yeah. And that's, by the way, not a game where we'll show up on a Monday morning and say, Green Bay's back. No, I'll be like, oh, their season's over. They just lost their sixth game in a row. This is a nightmare scenario. So the when yeah. you can get to the window in what would be still disappointing efforts, that's where I think things get a bit interesting. We're in Germany for the first time ever in the National Football League, Tampa Bay against Seattle. Tom Brady has played a couple of games of the international games, and I think you're going to hear a lot about that this week. But this is where DRS is not a big trend guy, and mm -hmm. I am. But the reason he's not is stuff like this. Because Tom Brady's 3-0 overseas, right? And covers those games on average by 20 points per game. Here's the problem. One of them was in Mexico. The other two were in London. And the two London games were in 2009, I believe, and 2012. It's been a long time since Tom traveled like this. And I'm not sure how much those three games with the New England Patriots matter. And also, it's Tom who made the trip, right? It's everybody else making the trip. And I, I think Tampa did go there once with Jameis Winston, but you kind of get my point, right? Mm -hmm. Is how much does that stuff factor in? Pete Carroll's been overseas once himself, and he beat the Raiders in 2018 by 24 points. So I, I kind of remove that as much as I can, the historical notions of what these guys have done overseas. And we just try and focus in on Tom Brady versus Geno Smith.
And this is where we, we there's a number of games like this throughout a season where I think you all you'll feel this way, and, and I know I will. Where if I was calling the plays, if I was drawing up the game plan, I'd feel pretty good about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If Donnie was in the room and he was putting this together with Byron Leftwich, I'd feel pretty good about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But you can't promise me that Byron Leftwich won't spend the first 85% of this game handing the football off to Leonard Fournette on first down to put them at a second and eight all game long. If they watch their final two drives where they marched down the field, had a touchdown dropped off Scotty Miller's face, and then caught a second touchdown actually win that football game and go, oh, tempo, abandon the run, Tom can still do this, then they're going to fly up and down this field against the Seattle Seahawks. But I don't trust them exactly that they are going to do that because for some insane reason, they've not done that all year long. What are you expecting from Tampa Bay here as they head to Germany to face the Seattle Seahawks? Uh, and it, this is, I love this because it's Friday that we talk about these football teams, right? And these are the teams that are supposed to be cruising. We're not supposed to have any question marks about Tampa Bay, particularly on offense. We're not supposed to have any question marks about the Green Bay Packers offense. But here we are. But if this is one game that has zero in, there are a lot of mitigating factors here because you're not playing in Tampa. You're not playing in Seattle. It's going to be a neutral site. It's going to be in Germany. There are a lot of extenuating circumstances that go in. So if you figure the thing I do like, there's no home field advantage, Kevin, for either team. You remember in the shortened season with COVID? That's a huge factor on team totals because if you were going into mm. play Kansas City, there's five or 10,000 fans there, not 75,000. So you can run and operate your offense on both sides because if you, Tampa Bay, was going to Seattle, they're still really loud and proud up there as the 12th man, and that might be a hindrance. You're not going to have that here. But if I want to keep it short and sweet, there are no more excuses for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why is that? I'm looking at their estimated starting lineup this week on offense. Evans, Godwin, Jones, and Bray coming back from that concussion here. Leonard Fournette is a starter. So is Tom Brady. If you can't get it together against Seattle's defense this week, it's time to shut it completely down and vice versa. Geno Smith is going up against a defense we thought might be one of the elites in the NFL. They've been poor, particularly at rushing the passer. 44 and a half, we should get points, but obviously centered on Tom Brady in that offense. No more excuses. You're 100% healthy. Going to be a, a fascinating spot. Tampa, by the way, after what happened on Thursday night, minus 270 to win the division with a win against Seattle. That goes over minus 300. A lot more we tend to break down after the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. A lot of good games this week. Sunday Night Football, no exception. Chargers, Niners. I'm excited for this one here. Totals 45 and a half the Niners laying a full seven in this game I, I think it shows that the Niners are 
booked as probably top five team in the NFL. In that range, definitely. Probably that tier below the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Bills. And then it shows also how injured the Chargers are. And I don't think the Chargers covered themselves in glory despite winning on the road in Atlanta. I think people left that game concerned about this offense, and that's understandable. Only 240-some-odd passing yards for Justin Herbert against a team that was allowing over 300 a game when we talk about those Atlanta Falcons that he was playing against there. And again, I understand Herbert's not out there with a lot of weapons, but we're not expecting Mike Williams back. I'm never expecting Keenan Allen to play for the Chargers this season. That would be a fool's errand at this point. When you see this seven, what do you think here, San Francisco up against L.A.? Two things. I think we're overbooking the 49ers just a little bit because I know they're okay. everybody's darling, and you hear me talk about them saying, hey, there's a lot of upside with this team, but you are what your record is, and they're not a very good record team right now, but what the you know prognosis would be on the season and the elevation of their game if everybody stays healthy, yeah, you can hit a top-notch football team. But also, this is more of an indication, not because we think the San Francisco 49ers are on a run to the Super Bowl. It's, hey, the Chargers have a really good quarterback and a small running back that can dominate out there. And outside of the offense, they have absolutely nothing. So if you're going to line up against the San Francisco 49ers go toe-to-toe, you're probably going to have to score some points. But you can't just do it, as we see in Green Bay, Hey, I got a really good quarterback. Well, you don't have any weapons. Oh, okay. Well, what did you want me to do? That's the feeling I get. Now, can the Chargers hang around that seven points? Sure they can. That's why, again, the line is not 17. It's seven. There's still some good football players on there, particularly on defense, that can rush the passer and cause some issues for Jimmy Garoppolo. But if I'm being honest with myself and I want to spend my money on Sundays, I'm really not looking forward to the Chargers to say, you know what? That's where I want to put my money down on because we know this is a wide receivers league. If you want to win games, you better have elite play from your wide receivers. You're not going to get that from the Chargers. Now, from a 49ers perspective, you got some time off. Debo Samuel looks like he's going to return. Brandon Ayuk's on the other side. Maybe the best tight end in football, along with Jason Kelsey in George Kittle. And now you have Christian McCaffrey with the full playbook at your disposal. I'm actually expecting some pretty good things from the 49ers and not from an injured Chargers team. So I, I, I think the Niners have a chance for a really big offensive game because the Chargers this year against offenses that have any level of competency have just been absolutely thrashed. And sometimes it it doesn't even take that. I mean, the 38 spot they gave up against Jacksonville. Chiefs got to 27. Browns got to 28. And Seattle gave them 37. I mean, just absolutely dominated in that respect. One thing we've seen under Brandon Staley is games with a total under 50 are 10-3 and to the over. 45.5. I think we can get some points here. But I also think the Chargers have a chance to hang around, as you said, kind of uh, uh, through your initial diagnosis. This is a little interesting. Justin Herbert has been a touchdown-plus underdog three times in his career. He has covered all three games. He has also lost all three games. Usually you would think there'd be an upset That's in there somewhere. Do. No, no, no. Yeah. Just just knows. It's also it's the Chiefs, right? At least I, I know it's at least one of those games against the Chiefs, which is kind of how that it's goes. It's probably all but, three of the Chiefs. Yeah, right? I I look at this as a spot where this game finishing 27-24 Niners feels very live to me. I think it's an over game. I think both offenses have good performances here. And I do think that the Chargers find a way 
to hang around. How about an Austin Eckler versus Christian McCaffrey spot too, which is just mm. going to be fantastic to watch two of the premier backs in this league. Anything else you're looking at here in this game specifically? It's funny you bring up Austin Eckler because I actually will bring up Christian McCaffrey on that side of it because if we know anything about boy genius on the defensive side, Brandon Staley, well, boy genius can't stop the run at all, Kevin, for Correct. the Chargers. 145 and a half yards on the ground per game they give up. And that's not even saying, well, the other team ran 45 times like their Navy. No, 5.7 yards per carry. What's the one thing you can always lean on with Kyle Shanahan? They're going to hit home runs in the running game. Keep an eye on McCaffrey to bust some long touchdowns in this one because those lanes are there. I'm really hoping, because I have my season-long number on Debo Samuel, which after uh. the first two games of the season – we were popping champagne in the room as the single greatest bet that has ever been placed in the world, uh, which now does not look that way. Injury McCaffrey, I just need like four carries against the Chargers. Like four, which I think will be good for like 70 yards on the ground because he'll pop one uh, huge. He's at 138. He had 105 after two weeks. So it would be nice if we can get uh, a couple of runs there for Debo Samuel. We go to the Kansas City Chiefs They're going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're a nine and a half point favorite. Total here is 50 and a half. And we had classic Chiefs football on Sunday night last week. They were a big favorite. They covered for 0% of the game. They went to overtime for no reason against a team that completed zero passes to wide receivers. And then they won. And Mahomes is in a better MVP spot for it. They've trailed. It's, it's pretty ridiculous now, right? But they've, they've mm -hmm. trailed now by eight plus four times this year. They've won all of those games. This, it's who they are. But is that really how you want to live? And, and when does it stop, right? When do they, you know, does this game 10 nothing Jacksonville and Jacksonville actually hangs on? No, it's just open season for people on, on Chiefs minus two and a half live. It's exactly what we're going to see. But maybe Kansas City actually wakes up here and, I don't know, establishes themselves early, goes up 14 to three, and puts Jacksonville in the rearview mirror. I think it's a pretty difficult game from a side perspective. How are you seeing it? It's funny, too, because I'm glad you brought up that type of angle, because usually when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and unless you reminded people, we already forgot about, boy, they should have lost to Malik Willis at home, and where he's throwing for like 50 or 60 yards in a game. Oh, that's the Chiefs. Don't worry about it. They put up 50 points every week. No, they didn't do that last week here. So if you face a defense that's decent, maybe you can slow that team down. Now, that's the question that's coming in, because I know, Kevin, you were high on Jacksonville entering into the season, and there was a lot of unknown, which is usually the fun part about that. You look at the roster up and down and go, boy, there is some real talent there. And then you bring in a head coach who's not an abject disaster in Doug Peterson who feel could calm the waters and say, you know what? Maybe we're not going to have a perfect season, but I'm going to make sure that each and every game we're going to give ourselves an honest effort to win this. And when I go to a post-game press conference, I'm answering questions about the game, not me staying behind in a bar in Cincinnati and partying with Ohio State fans. So when you look at the game this week, it seems easy to be swept under the rug, but are we giving too much respect to the Kansas City Chiefs? It's not a three-and-a-half point line. It's not seven-and-a-half. It's close to double digits. FanDuel Sportsbook coming in at nine and a half right now. And everybody rightfully so probably expecting points. But I got to tell you, 
If I get an offensive game plan from Jacksonville, they're talented on offense. You see what ATN's doing now? Mm. You have a mobile quarterback in Trevor Lawrence that can get outside the pocket here. It's not a great pass rush or quote-unquote defense here for the Kansas City Chiefs. If I can just get the simple play here, I can see Jacksonville hanging around in this game. Am I calling for an upset for the Jacksonville Jaguars? No, I'm not. But you watched the game last week against the Titans, who basically said, we're going to run the football and see what happens here. And our quarterback, they know he can't pass. We know he can't pass. And almost come away with the upset when you're down a touchdown in the second half. Why can't the Jacksonville Jaguars hang around in this game and stay within double digits? That's my thoughts here. Uh, well, I, I totally agree. Look, here's the deal. The Chiefs have played four home games. 0-4 against the number at home. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like, was it last year, two years ago, there was a, where people were like, they never cover, they never cover the Chiefs, right? It was, it was like a popular thing to say. Because they're bored. And, yeah. But it was true. But it was true. Yeah. Are people, why are people still laying big numbers with Kansas City? You know how highly I think of them. The, 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 the way people have talked about them at, at First Buffalo, I've been bothered by all offseason long. People act like the Bills won that football game. They didn't win that football game. But I just, like, that 12-and-a-half spot against Tennessee, it's like they were never covering that number. They were never covering that number. Like, I disagree with the notion of, oh, they should have lost the game. No, they were also never in trouble because, of course, they were going to beat Malik Willis. Malik Willis was never going to score any more than the 17 that he had already accounted for, Derrick Henry, right? I just, I can't trust The Chiefs laying nine and a half. I know they're better than Jacksonville. I know if they show up, they can dominate this football team. But like the Jags to score first at a plus price feels like a great piece of business. Feels like a number you should be targeting, Donnie, because that's what we see from Kansas City. And I I think also for the the Chiefs, you have to just wonder if uh, in the room, do they ever... Mm -hmm. Man, why do we do this? You know, it's not what cost them last year against Cincinnati, right? It was the inverse. They were up 20 points in the game and then found a way to lose. But you haven't. They were up 7 nothing against Tennessee last week and still found a way to need overtime for no reason in that football game. Like, when did the Chiefs just kind of show up and pace somebody here? You know, it, it's a good point you bring up because let's just say from just the common sports better here. And I would love to ask Dave Sharapan this being in the room. Are the Chiefs with the Patrick Mahomes era the least bet against team in the NFL? Because it feels like when I come up against games, it's never with an angle of, ooh, I want to take down the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. It's almost like you look and say, can I take the Chiefs in this game? Ooh, it's a little bit expensive. I I might try them again next week. But I have an idea. Like, nobody comes into each and every week going, how can I fade the Chiefs and get after it? It almost feels like like Tom Brady and Foxborough. Ooh, now's the week that they go down and get beat. Even if you're right, they don't cover spreads. It just feels like everybody is under the same notion. I'm not betting. I'm going to try to find a way to bet the Chiefs, but no way do I want to bet against them because even this week alone, you know, 80% on FanDuel Sportsbook, 80% of the money against the spread is on Kansas City, 71% of the total tickets on Kansas City with a line that's nine and a half. And also keep in mind, FanDuel opened up this line at nine and a half. It still sits at nine and a half with an avalanche of wagers on the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know that they've had big performances, smash Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay, smash San Francisco and San Francisco. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that the Chiefs are an unimpressive six and two. I just think if you're Kansas City, most people, the one thing I will say, most people believe that if that game against the Bills was in Orchard Park as opposed to the Chiefs hosting the game, right, it goes Buffalo's direction. You, If you're the Chiefs right now, Buffalo's dealing with a Josh Allen injury. We're going to talk about that in hour number two. 
And all of a sudden now, your head-to-head loss maybe won't matter as much, just like it did in last year. And you and yeah. the playoffs, again, ran through Arrowhead because the number one seed Titans obviously lost. If you're the Chiefs, you have an opportunity once again to have the playoffs run through your building, which is so important. I just don't know why you want to flirt around with results like this. I'll add this since we're coming up against the break as far as this total goes, this number 50 and a half. 10 of 15 games this year, booked over 50, have gone to the under this year. These big totals with big expectations have continually fallen short. And when the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid are consecutive games, uh, or, or, or excuse me, not consecutive games, but when there is a seven-point favorite or better, the under hits at almost 70% of those games, which, again, makes sense. Because they never cover those games, so their team total specifically is very likely going under. And then they kind of find a way somehow to bottle up their opponent. 24-20 Kansas City. Who's surprised? Not me, not Donnie. It wouldn't surprise in the slightest. There is a lot more to break down in Week 10 in the National Football League. But before we close out this hour, I want to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, the latest on LeBron James and their game tonight against the Sacramento Kings. We'll be right back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Little NBA news as we close out this opening hour. LeBron James leaving. The game early against the Los Angeles Clippers left his status for a couple of upcoming Laker games in question. What we know is he will miss tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings. But you've already started to hear basically the plan that the Lakers are going to put forward, which is for him to miss not only the game against the Kings, but also the game against the Brooklyn Nets. The way the schedule works, for whatever reason, the they have a huge gap between that Nets game and then what would be the third game against the Pistons. Uh, LeBron's going to be able to get over a week of rest if he misses Sacramento and Brooklyn. Uh, it's no guarantee he's 100% ready then. I think basically what we've seen, Donnie, is he's going to miss those two. Here's the damning thing for the Lakers, though. Who cares if he only misses two? Look at tonight's line. They are home against the Sacramento Kings and are a four-point underdog. Four <laughs> point. Like, could they go one and one in these next two at home? Yes, they could, but they're not favored to in the slightest. It just... Like, that's what LeBron is is playing with. A team that, without him, is a four-point home dog to the Sacramento Kings. 
And let's just say and play a devil's advocate. They have these two games up. They lose them both. They're two and eleven. Well, where does that sit with the Lakers' season? Darvin Ham is the head coach. Russell Westbrook on the bench. Everybody starts to play for themselves. And LeBron isn't playing NBA basketball because he enjoys himself and he just wants to have some fun over the next couple of years. He's playing to tack on championships and be competitive at this age. When is he going to say maybe you know what? It's best. Let me hit the ejection seat here, and I'm going to go to another city. You get picks. Everybody wins in this scenario. Is that going to happen? Oh, Chris Haynes, some reporting yesterday that LeBron is does not want to waste any time, and the and management's like, well, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner mark, are not going to turn mark. us into. Yeah, we, he did, and he got a, a nice right, extension. Okay. So, could shout out to him. Oh, okay. But and and basically saying that that's not going to make us a contender, so we don't want to make that move. We're a. We're not that far away from the LeBron trade request. 